What's up, Internet? Welcome to episode three of Strongest on the Field Radio. I didn't touch it. All right. Today we are going to talk about what is the role of a strength coach at a youth level, high school level, college, pro. Probably spend most of our time youth in high school. Yeah, as youth in high school seems to be where we, where seem we specialize. To that needs more attention. So uh, part of the day, why should an athlete start strength training at a young age? And then what are some mistakes coaches make when implementing strength exercise at a young age? Are we talking strength coaches or sports coaches? I would say strength coaches. So the role of a strength coach at a youth level, if you're fortunate enough to have a strength coach, right? Because mostly at this point in time, a youth athlete only has access to a sports coach who's trying to do their best, um, if they are motivated enough to find strength exercises, right? Because what we're following or what they're following now is probably Instagram strength training. Yeah, that's that's mostly where most people get their strength and conditioning uh, information from. So, yeah, that, that's the only source. You're only getting 60 seconds of education, which is very limited, uh, uninformed, and, uh, yeah, a lot, stuff, a lot of stuff gets cut out. The context, too, when we talk about context, what are they doing and why? And that's where the coach needs to come in and explain the reason for the movement, the exercise, and how it's going to help them be a better on the field. And that's what you don't get from social media. So the role of a strength coach at the youth level, I think, if we're still at the field and the sports coach is trying to do the best, so if, if we're giving something concrete for coaches to take um, – to be able to apply it, uh, we can start with body weight movements on the field, right? Most people, that's kind of most teams in sports, that's where they start. We can talk about how to start strength training for youth athletes in a bit inside of the gym. But let's start. What what can we do? What can sports coaches do on the field to start strength training? I think the biggest thing here for sport coaches who want to implement some type of strength and conditioning into their program is to uh, – do what you know. Don't feel like you have to go out of your knowledge or out of what you know. Um, I feel a lot of coaches try and reach and try and implement stuff that they see themselves on social media. Uh, it's fancy. It's cool. Kids love it. It gets a lot of likes, so they try and implement it without really having the context, having the why. So stay simple. Stay simple. Stay within what you know. And um, this is where maybe we can uh, at some point talk about uh, the universal athletic position, very simple, um, kind of universal, as the name implies. And, uh, yeah, it'll set a big, a, a solid foundation, and from there you can develop and grow other movements. I would say um, do more than just ladder drills. Um, we see that a lot on YouTube. We see that a lot on Instagram. Um, mix it up a little bit. Do some cones in there. Do some sprinting, short-distance sprinting. Um, things like that as opposed to just making them run for 30 minutes at a time or, you know, across a football field just to get them tired um, and to end practice. So like Ronnie mentioned, have some context behind that running um, and keep mixing it up with um, different type of drills aside from just the ladder that we see. I think a good place to start is body weight movements, right? We can, even with no equipment, we can start talking – uh, squats, we can start talking lunges, push-ups, um, different plyometric movements. 
like lateral skier jumps um, for the biggest reason of trying to build awareness and stability, right? This is the first time um, they're having to control their body. Like running is easy for kids, but having a kid understand where their body is in space with like lunges, like I don't know if you guys have tried teaching an eight-year-old how to lunge, but it is a disaster. Uh, so I think the biggest thing we can give them is body awareness, how to control your body in space with the simple movements uh, we can add in their planks, lateral planks, uh, build lateral stability, which is going to be huge for change of direction, um, reversal strength, and starting to build their body up to eventually being able to hit and start moving inside of the gym with under load, under load, under load. Yeah, um, all of that is great. Um, so for me, what I would recommend, if you're a coach listening to this, uh, just go to Google or whatever search. Uh, whatever search engine you use, um, just type in universal athletic position. Uh, big shout out to Power Athlete. They are big uh, compo- proponents of this. Um, but teaching the universal athletic position will unlock many other things. You will understand uh, knee stability, trunk stability, uh, and it will really allow you to go into some agility drills. Could side you to explain side. Um, what the universal athletic position looks like? Well, the universal athletic position has an athlete with his feet slightly outside his hips. Um, Toes are going to be forward. Uh, Hammies and hips are going to be back engaged, uh, which will stabilize the knee in place. And uh, eyes will be forward. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a very good position to start for any athlete in any sport. It will carry over to everything. From this position, what movements are you able to go to are you able to jump turn sprint what all of it perfect that's, that's what i was looking all for. of it <laughs> all of it and that's the beauty in this thing it, it allows you to to teach that drop step teach that forward step that side step uh jumping cutting changing direction it's a great starting point so if you can get your athletes to master this position uh you're on your way also, keep an eye out for first up wins. <clears throat> first up wins. Hey, hey what's, the, so, what's the account? It's it's, at, it's at, coming out. It's coming out. It's at, at first up wins. At first step wins. Uh, it's a project of mine that I'm working on for this specific problem. Yeah, it's big. And is, yeah. is that something you did uh, working with soccer players or soccer kids on the field? Uh, I started to. Um, I think it was a conversation that kept coming up with parents. Hey, what do I do? And other sports coaches. Hey, what do I do? Me being the strength coach. Uh, so I started putting together what a program would look like for motivated uh, athletes and parents that want to do more. It'll be a cost-effective way to start um, these kids to start moving better um, and start getting exposure to what is going to be asked of them later. Yeah, um, that, that's going to that's gonna be very cool. I'm excited to see how that grows and develops. It's... Um it's it's dope. I'm excited. Um, Chris mentioned ladder drills and, and cones and stuff like that. Uh, they all have a, a place. But it can't be everything. But it's not it's a, it's the only thing. It's a very small. It's the sexy part. Yes. It's the fun part, but it's not the whole thing. No, it's not. And coaches focus on what, what drives me crazy is seeing coaches specifically talk about speed and having athletes move without a focus on positioning. How are we moving through the ladder? So what would we say the ladder accomplishes? For me, I'm looking for balance. 
and accuracy. Coordination. Coordination. Uh, Balance. If an athlete can show me balance through the ladder, being able to at any point take a step back, take a step laterally, then we, I am seeing an effective athlete who can control his body in space. But this is not what we would implement to develop top speed. No, that's a different conversation. Right. At the youth level, I'm looking for balance, very accurate steps through the ladder, and a show of uh, and coordination through arm action and and right. a connection to the and lower I think to the one feet. One thing it does accomplish, though, it keeps the kids interested, which also is important. Yeah. But again, it's not the whole thing. Add it in, but it's part of the the bigger training. Yeah, there's more to there's more to it. Yeah, I think the latter, um, like you said, it develops coordination, it develops balance, but it also can develop rhythm. Um, at that age, most of these kids can't really um, move their upper body with their lower body. Yes. So we slowly start implementing the lower half, and then we start coordinating the upper half with so the lower half. I like what some stuff that you guys have posted, which is huge, is the like doing ladder with. Um in like in a plank position, low, uh, upper body development with a ladder that I think gets missed a lot, uh, which is huge because when we're running, we're not running with our hands tied next to our body. We're driving with our arms. You need to be able to have that upper body development to keep up with your lower body. If there's any dysfunction, you are missing out on optimal speed. One thing we missed that I want to go back on, um, the role of a strength coach or a sports coach at this time, is how to implement a good warm-up, a dynamic warm-up. Uh, prepping your body for movement, uh, I think, is important. Uh, do you? What do you guys have to say about that? Uh, when it comes to a warm up, a dynamic warm up is my favorite. I like to have the athletes, as simple as this sounds, I want them um, to move through all the primal movements. I want them uh, lunging. I want them squatting. I want them rotating. Rotating is huge. Rotating. The sport is all rotation. Yeah. And at some point, I want them touching the floor. I want them touching the floor in a bear crawl, um, uh, inchworms, stuff like that. Let's uh, run a sports coach through maybe a small session um, that they could implement. So dynamic warm-up, for sure. Stability movement. We can do like a lateral plank Captain Morgan type thing. Yep. What would you do right after stability? Agility... Would you do reaction time stuff? I'd probably go with the agility. Once you prep the ankles, Ronnie's a big believer in that and prepping the ankles. So agility, we would go, this would be the time to implement maybe ladder? Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the ladder, there's a, a very easy progression, coaches, is because like Chris mentioned, the arm arms are usually disconnected. There's a big disconnect. Kids focus mostly on their feet. They're staring at their feet as they go through the ladder. So what I like to do, from the from the jump from the start i have them on seated on their on the floor and spend a few minutes doing seated arm swings yes and we're just doing seated arm swings and we're jogging and we're sprinting and we're jogging again and just having them understand their their arms and how they work and then from there we stand them up and then we talk about the ladder and you'll notice a huge improvement in the entire group as far as arm action as they go through the ladder so that's one thing for sure on the ladder now what are other ways ladders one way to work on agility what else would, we, would you guys use? Uh, there's a lot of drills out there. The 5105 uh, we like to do. Would you do that for agility, though, or starting move? That I would consider that more of like conditioning side. 
Yeah, it can be. Not necessarily. Depending on the context, I mean, you could definitely talk to them about changing direction and, again, finding uh, body awareness. And it can lead into more agility than necessarily um, conditioning. So it just depends on the context that you talk about before starting the drill. So we need to start publishing ideas too, huh? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So after agility, uh, in my head, I kind of mapped out uh, the reaction time drills, which I think are the most fun, right? The sport happens in the first second, right? Whoever gets there the first step is is huge. First step first, wins, first man. First that's step why wins. you that's why you got it. You hit so, it on the dot. When I heard you starting first step wins boom, and I heard that, I was like, he's on it. That's the whoops all right uh but yeah when i heard the first step wins that's exactly what it is sports is about reaction it's the person that reacts the first will usually win and this is where the fun drills come in yeah right where you can get a team to see how fast the response time is which could be go to the second cone go to the third cone uh i seen you guys use uh tennis balls a lot how fast can you turn? We love tennis balls here, man. They're buckets, soft. Buckets. Buckets. We have buckets balls. of tennis balls. They're left soft. Left hand, right hand, turn to the left, turn to the right, rotate, start in a seated position, start laying down, start with your eyes closed. How fast can you respond? Whoever responds faster is going to win. And this goes back to your idea of keeping athletes interested and involved is coaches, get creative. You know, that's a big thing for me. Um, I, I need to stay on my toes. I have to be creative and keep the athletes engaged, especially because kids, they, you lose them. In yes. five minutes, if, you're, if, you're not, if, if you don't mix it up or something. Now, you, what's huge is that once you understand this concept, this context, you can make up whatever you want as long as you know how to it's apply it. It's the principles. It. It, right. As, as long as you understand the principles, then you, can go, and then you have the freedom to create things and, and play with it. But know why you're doing it. Know what you're looking for, what the purpose, and then from there, have fun. Get creative. Yeah, it's definitely finding that middle ground. Um, if it's too easy, like you guys just mentioned, um, they'll get bored and they'll check out mentally. But if it's too hard, then they get discouraged and they don't want to come back and do it again. So finding that middle ground, I think it's really important to in the development of, of youths. Awesome. The next piece I think would be huge for sports uh, coaches to implement would be training for speed. Everyone always does the endurance training. Let's see how long you can go for the mental toughness, which sometimes is okay, but during practice you're going to get endurance training. The last piece I would like to see sports coaches doing is doing a speed piece, top end speed, maybe five sprints, but at 95% and up, meaning – Say you're doing a soccer field or from infield to outfield, just one sprint and then rest for a very long time until you can recover and be able to perform at a high level. That doesn't mean 30-second rest. We're talking about about two-minute rest, depending on the length of the sprint. Now, the rest is going to be important because we're looking for top and speed. So if we're talking about intensity, how would you... Talk about that to your kids to where they understand that because they don't know what intensity, for the most part, most kids don't know what intensity really means, 95%. Well, I would just, you being the coach, you could just explain, hey, we're training for speed. We're not training for endurance. There's a difference. Speed means you're able to get from here to the ball first. I'm always thinking in soccer terms, but uh, you can apply it to any sport. 
uh, we're not training to be able to make it through the end of the game at this part of practice. Um, as a coach, you monitor intensity by controlling the rest time. So you don't have to explain it as much. Hey, we're just resting, chilling. Or you can do it in that you have big groups. So you have a team of 20 kids. You split the group up into three groups. And now you have a bunch of people waiting in line, which is fine because that's the rest time. And then you can make a game out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the coach's responsibility, man. That's what you get paid for to to watch the athletes and and monitor that rest um coaches need to understand energy systems well i mean they yeah, should they, do. they should no, uh, don't let them get off the hook they need to understand it they need to understand energy systems why are my sprint work why are my kids not fast in the ball i can make it through the whole game but why are they not explosive yeah or yeah, exactly vice versa? you want them to be fast right but yet you're having them sprint after practice, oh, sorry, you're having them uh, do, do miles shuttle, after, shuttle sprints yeah. for ten minutes. Yeah, you have them do you have them do you have them jog and run miles after after practice, calling it conditioning. But yet you wonder why they're not fast or why they're not as fast as they should be. Well, it's because you're training the wrong energy system. You're not doing the you're not applying the principle correctly. So for for one, I would say coaches take you know. Again, look at the go online. Just search energy systems. Come train with us. Come, yeah, you can you can follow <laughs> us, right? You can come, you can check out, check us out, um, and or actually email us, right? Email us, and we'll definitely uh, give you as much information as we can. Uh, then email is set up radio yep, radio at do radio or at any of us. Oh, or any of us, um, and yeah, understanding energy systems first things first, and um, you'll realize that you need a lot of rest in between these max effort sprints, and so. For me, in my experience, what I've done during that rest period is gone over technique work. So if I, I can take take something away, whether it's that first step, and just have them drill that in those two minutes. It doesn't mean they have to go on a run, but just that first step. Secondly, it's a great opportunity for coaches to cue them, to talk about faults. Watch the drill, coach, and then from there, see things that, see faults that, that the group is creating, and then talk about that during the rest. And so yeah. that's how I use my break time um, or the rest period is to coach and to have them work on technique stuff. Uh, another intangible is if you're not talking about technique, get to know your athlete. Build build rapport. Build that personal relationship. Because at some point, you're going to have the need your athlete run into that wall or run through that wall. And if they don't trust you and they don't have that relationship with you, you're not going to get 100% out of them when you need it. Yeah, Chris is good at that. He's Every time I, I look over at his class. What would you eat at lunch? Like, yeah. What are you doing this weekend? What's your best friend's name? Yeah. yeah. Everything. Build a rapport. This is also a good opportunity for you guys to not just um, work on intensity, but also work on some coordination. Have them start with their right foot. On yeah. that sprint, have them start with their left foot on that sprint. Arm cocked back. Um, have them start on their uh, in the push-up position, on their backs. Um, so it is also more than just um, again intensity, but some coordination could be involved in that training session for that day here too. Awesome. Let's move on to the role of a strength coach at a high school level. At this point, I think we're starting to enter the weight room. Strength coaches here. The responsibility is start to teach proper mechanics for the movements. We're talking the big major movements, squatting, deadlifting, overhead press, bench press, pull-up. Um, that's pretty much it. 
and start to ingrain and groove out the proper movement. If you're lucky at this point, you have a group of athletes who have been taught a foundation of movement and patterns. Now, we're just, how, now we're just under load now. Yeah, now we can start progressively introduce load if you're lucky. If you're not, well, don't, don't be the coach who just forces them into under load. You have to take the time and teach them the patterns. That's where injuries come from because coaches rush to try and load them, try and get them stronger now. Well, we all know strength takes a lifetime to, to build, so don't rush them. Take, take your time. Now, is this a safe time? What age are we starting to lift? 12. Is that that's my, that's definite, my number. Definite number? That's my number. And so, it, that's, okay, so it's, a gen, it's, a general, it's a rule of thumb. Well, Ronnie and I just got back from Ohio, yeah. Westside um, Seminar for Sports Performance. Chris is about to go Virginia. Two weeks. In two weeks. We asked him the same question. Now, the response was, it depends on the athlete. It depends on the movement. And it depends a lot on the responsibility of the strength coach. You need to be able to have an eye. If they can keep posture in position, all right, we're going up in weight. If they can't, we're stuck there until we feel they can move on. So this might be a 10-year-old. But for the most part, we see that 12 years old is about the adequate age to start moving some load. Yeah, now, they, at 10 years old, we can be moving a broomstick. We can be, be moving PVC pipe, uh, med balls. We can be sandbags. We can start moving. I think odd objects at this point seem to work pretty well, right? Yeah. What I like to do with my younger, younger group is I set up a high box, and I place the sandbag on top of the box so they don't have to deadlift the bag mm. off the floor. Um, I feel that's a little eh. So I'll just have them just carry it. But they're able to brace and learn they're bracing. able to bracing, absolutely. But I remove the deadlift, but I have them carry Huge from box to box. Huge gains from their trunk. Absolutely. So instead of doing a 100 sit-ups, which they're not completely aware of the body how to do yet, they can start to develop their trunk by carrying something front-loaded. Yeah. Parents ask their kids to take out the trash all the time, right? This is just a different version of that. Yeah, absolutely. In a safe environment. Yeah. Uh posture and position you said it that's uh as a high school coach that's your if you don't know anything else learn the words posture and position and know what everything yeah every move every exercise every movement in the weight room demands a certain posture and certain positions and it's your job to know them know what each movement calls for and if you can do that you're on you're on your way yeah the high school level this is where you start seeing how well you trained at an early age. Um, if you didn't train at all at an early age, you're behind. Uh, you're behind, and you could see it. You <laughs> yeah. could see it you're in that coordination. <laughs> you could see it when you're trying to teach someone how to power clean. They don't know what to do with the barbell. Um, so the coordination is definitely. Um, you could see it at that high school level. Now, what about the sports coach that is now limited? What does he do? Is that the end of the road for him as far as strength training? Limited. What do you mean? Explain that to me a little bit more. So we're talking about the athlete that now has the opportunity to be in a weight room. Okay. What about the sports coach? This is this is now a bigger athlete. You've done a hundred squats on the field. That's not going to really help you. So you find the right person. Yeah. At that, I mean, yeah, that's a tougher tougher situation, especially when you have athletes who are now capable of of displaying who maybe don't have to drill the universal athletic position as much, but um, 
I mean, don't try don't try and go outside your comfort zone or don't try and do too much. Still stay within your means. Don't try and be so something find, you're not. So find a strength coach. Yeah, find a strength coach. Um, figure out how to get one. Yeah. Yeah. Stick to stick to the sport. Don't try and do everything. All right. So what about the high school athlete that is now a junior in high school? A junior and a senior in high school. Who's been training? Who's been training? What are we trying to accomplish now as a strength coach? I think it really depends on their sport. Um, Does it? I mean, we're still trying to get them strong. That's that's a given. But um, it depends on what their weaknesses are in that sport. If it's speed, if it's maybe shoulder mm, mobility, if it's you know their legs giving out midseason. Um, it just depends on that individual there. Or the team, if you're doing team. Right. 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 But now we're now we're looking for bigger numbers. Now we know the movements. Now in order to get faster and stronger, we have to challenge you outside of your comfort zone. But now you have and built the strength. If you get out of posture and position, you're able to fight to be able to get back into it, right? Because once we start going heavy reps, it's not looking perfect anymore. Yeah. But that's only based on your ability in the past not asking a new athlete. So if, if there's a junior coming in and this is his first time in the gym, we're starting from ground zero. Yeah, absolutely. It's all relative. It's case by case. You can never training, lump... Training age. Tra- training age. It's all about training age. And you can't lump athletes together and have them all do a, 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 a standard workout. You have to... 100 GHRs. <laughs> you have to... You have to take every athlete for who they are and where they're at, and that's the job of a coach. I mean, it's a lot of work, but that's that's how you keep athletes safe, and that's how you keep improving. Because maybe you you hold one athlete back because you're having them pace at at someone who's just getting started, and vice versa. So. Now, would you guys still would you focus only on strength, or would you do conditioning also? I would say both. You got to increase the intensity in their training can't just be one or the other if you do do strength well for sure strength right so i guess i'm asking would you do conditioning or not i would i would do conditioning um just so they understand being able to go from a strength uh from a moment of 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 strength into a movement of of uh duration so that conditioning so yeah being able to come in do some strength some strength work some max effort intensity and then go out and do some conditioning at, at some maximal weight yeah that's that's good i would definitely I wouldn't shy away from it. What about, uh, do you guys want to move on to college and pro level? The role of a strength coach there? We'll, we'll briefly talk about it. I'm not done with high school, man. <laughs> high school coaches, yeah, they blow my mind. We have athletes, so we've been coaching athletes now for uh, three years, and, and we've had, we started with them, a few of them in, in seventh graders, so, so middle school. So what have you seen the faults? Like? Yeah, so we'll get to that. So seventh graders started with us. And then they go on to uh, high schools here. I'm not, I won't call out the high schools. That's unfair because I don't know the coaches. Um, but these athletes, so these seventh graders are now freshmen in high school. They come back to us, and they just inside the weight rooms in the high schools. Kids are power cleaning, trying to find 1RMs without having never have done, done power cleans in the past, trying to deadlift 1RMs. Um, Without supervision, coaches just tell them, go lift, go do your thing. Or if, I mean, if, if they're lucky, coaches give out a workout at most. But there's no supervision. There's no coaching. There's no cueing. There's nothing. There's nothing. They, um, they're benching with, 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 and not knowing how to properly bench. 
So that's, that, that's how you get hurt. They so, expect, so they expect the seniors to teach the juniors, juniors to teach the sophomores, oh and down <laughs> really? that ladder. Yes. This is a fact. This is a true I keep, story. I keep hearing yeah. this. Like, just every time I ask about high school training the and college training. The seniors are the coaches. That's, that's, that's what we see constantly. And we're seeing half squats. We're seeing people squat just on their toes. Um, it's pathetic, man. It's you so know, pathetic. And when these athletes come in here and we ask them, hey, have you done any type of training? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, I've done. I squatted 225. All right, well, let's see you squat with our body, with just your body weight. You see knees Get caving crushed. in, toes in a bad position. Our stance alone is in that bad position. So it's just pretty bad. These guys, coaches want athletes, they want, to ex- they want teams that win, right? They want to be winners. But they, they, don't put in, they don't find the resources for these athletes to, be, to, develop, to develop their athleticism. They don't, they don't put the time and effort. We go to these high schools and we, intro- we tell them what we do. And some of them say, oh, we already have it taken care of. We find out that they really don't, that they have the assistant coach. Do you coach. approach them again? I mean, we try to. We try to, but. You try to stay in your lane. They're kind of stuck to their way. So, I mean, Show me, coach. Show me your squat, coach. That's, that's uh, it's, it's a bad, it's, it, you see it a lot. You see it a lot. And it's unfortunate because. Not only are you not maximizing your athlete's potential, you're, but you're, you're risking them. You're doing a disservice to them. Why well, am I not going to college? Yeah. Because you're not trained. It's, it's everything. So, yeah, that's, uh, it's, a big, it's a big opportunity to either make an athlete or bake, break an athlete. And we're hearing, we're hearing that they're definitely not being made. Role of a strength coach in college? <laughs> I think... So if Chelsea was here, that'd be a good. She could probably. All right. So none of us disclaimer, coach. Well, college athletes. No. Some. Some. We we have college athletes in our program, but we do not coach inside a university. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But we do have so university. We have athletes in our. There's a lot of debate and arguments and things that happen at this level of like. We don't want to get our athletes hurt. We just want to maintain them. And coaches are scared to properly implement a program. But I think it's safe to say at this point, like Chris talked about earlier, let's work on their deficiencies or imbalance first. So if based on movement that we know, if their squat is low or deadlift or shoulder mobility, then that's the thing that we need to focus on, right? So whatever weakness they have, that's the role of the strength coach to fix and keep them bulletproof. Westside talks a lot about special exercises, right? So you can tell, hey, fine, everyone's scared for heavy deadlifts. Okay, fine. Let's work on lower back then. Let's do good mornings. Let's do uh, reverse hypers. If you don't have a reverse hyper in your gym, <laughs> you're not a gym. You're faking it. You're faking it. If you don't have a reverse, you need a GHD and you reverse hyper. Um, the the value in the reverse hyper is, I mean, you can look it up. Coaches, look it up. Go to Google again. Reverse hyper. 
Um, you can do so much with it, and the return on your investment is will be through the roof. Your athletes will thank you for it. So, yeah, so I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, yeah, that's, that's key. Bulletproofing. You got to bulletproof your athletes. That's a big thing for me in particular. I like to – I see strength and conditioning as a way to – to reduce injury. Yes, we want to increase performance, but I'm looking to, to create a well-rounded athlete. And that's how, per- personally, is how I see strength and conditioning. So that's, that's at the college level. So bulletproofing yeah. and, and, bulletproof. and getting their body not to be, or getting their body just like not to get hurt yeah. at that level. Now, one thing that was huge that was talked about when we went to the seminar, if it's a JV kid or a kid on the bench, then... We're going for a hardcore program because there's a reason you're not starting. And we need to get you to that level. Either you're not fast enough or you're not strong enough. Technical thing, that's not our job. Yeah. But if they're not a starter, we're kicking their butt to be able to catch up to the other guys. Because if something happens to the starter, guess what? You need to step up to the plate. No, that's it. I mean, you guys kind of nailed it on the head on that is developing those weaknesses and pushing them to an intensity where they feel comfortable where they walk on that field and they know they put all that work and effort to be able to perform at their highest level, giving them that confidence. All right. So pro athletes, um, I think it's now they're, they're being paid lots of money to perform. I think at this time, it's their own responsibility to seek out and either fine-tune their skills, find a very specialized coach, or find a strength coach to keep them in shape so that they can perform again and get paid to play. Any opinions? Um, Yeah, definitely. This is a time for you where you really have to sit down with that athlete and talk to him about his previous season, um, figuring out what hurt his weaknesses. And by the end of that off-season training, those weaknesses should be strengths, um, whether it's, you know, straining an oblique, pulling a hamstring. Um, this is the time for you to really focus up on those for that upcoming season. I think we can get into further detail once we start interviewing our, our pro athletes. Um, and kind of how they go about and what is prescribed to them by their sports coaches and what they do in the offseason. Um, so just a heads up, I'll be reaching out to specifically pro soccer players. And these guys will be reaching out to pro baseball players. And then based on our contacts, we'll start to dive into different sports and see what they do. Uh, so we can give you concrete examples. Again, we want to give you things that you can take away and apply it at all different levels um, and be a resource, say, if you live in Nevada, finding out who top strength coaches there or how to go about it, even on your own, um, and how we can help you in, on your journey. Yeah, that's a, that's a, this is a good episode. With, it's a good overview of every level. I think in the future we'll be diving a little deeper, more depth into each level. Uh, giving more, maybe more specific drills and activation stuff. So, uh, yeah, this is a good overview. Thank you guys for uh, holding on to us and uh, letting us improve on our speaking skills. Uh, I think all of us looked forward to today to record. Please bear with us as we learn how to speak English. (laughs)
<laughs> We're getting a little bit better. I think we've improved on this one. If you have any feedback, reach out to radio at deuceathletics.com. I think we're first graders now. <laughs> <laughs> we're still in kindergarten. We're still well, <laughs> we're, we're speaking English. Um, I only cuss once, so <laughs> it still counts as a PG-13. Uh, again, reach out either at JL Guadarrama on Instagram, Ronnie. At Ronnie Lopez 21, <laughs> daily content, get them videos. And then oh, Chris. Chris at Deuce No, that's, oh, you're not going to go handle? What's your social now? All right. Uh, social C plus 6. That's what we're going for. Yeah. Thank you, folks. I'll uh, see you next time.